we need a catchphrase. We do. We say this every single time, and I don't think we're making any progress. I feel like we're you know like treading water when it comes to the catchphrase. I was literally editing the last episode this morning, and it was painful. Just how and bad. We we mentioned how bad our previous intros were. And somehow we topped all of those in the last episode. Well, I think this one tops it. It's by far the worst intro. Like I haven't. No, so far we're making like we're making okay. full sentences here. In several of these, it's just been long pauses of nothing. It's been like thirty seconds, and we haven't introduced who we are, our names, or what we're doing. We just came out and started talking. I don't think people care about that stuff. They're here. They're listening to a podcast. They're doing something else. You're never just sitting and listening to a podcast or washing a dish or going to the bathroom or something, right? Yeah. So just listen to the sound of our voices talking about nothing. Oh, but we do have an agenda. For example, who are we? Exactly. Wait, so I I came in and I wanted to do like a proper intro. And Uh here we are several seconds later with nothing. Not, Not doing a proper intro? Yeah. Okay. Who are we? <laughs> Why not just say it? Because it's drag a... this out. You drag this out every single week. Well, because I expect just, you just to... get you used to go in and say we are dumb comic creators. I'm Eric Schwartz, and I'm joined by Fine. And I would say my name, and then we would get right into the topics that we're going to cover that week, and we would go right and introduce our guest Rob Cannon, and it would be amazing. So. Uh, Rob Cannon, um, welcome. Thank you for joining us. We just thank had you, a great you. introduction. So we're just going to skip it all. Well, you just said it all. I only repeat it. I feel defeated. I feel. I have to say, your prowess in creating comics is topped only by your professionalism in broadcasting. You guys are <laughs> really on top of it. Oh, no. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, Rob, thanks for coming on the show. You have a Kickstarter coming up. Well, the um, Kickstarter... Is it running? Oh, no, the Kickstarter is long gone. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, the book is being published and it's coming out in December. Oh. oh, great, great, great. Yeah, it is called Freak Snow Washed in the Blood and it is the premier title to the uh, Fubrak Studios franchise called Freak Snow. And uh, God, what is it, 72 pages or something like that. And um, it's this crazy story about a kid who's raised in a cult uh, like a gun worshiping cult and all the crazy stuff that, that happens after his family commits a mass suicide and like kind of his journey of finding himself and what his life is all about. It is fucking crazy. And um, Kevin Rodatelli is the guy who came up with the story. I did most of the artwork joined by, um, oh man, I'm not even going to try the, the the name. There's one guy whose name I can't pronounce, but you know. <laughs> Costas you have- Pentolas. Pentolas? That's a pretty good, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good guess. And then V.V. Eckhart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so uh, hmm. and I just, so we, we read this comic this week, and it's, it's awesome, uh, but I did want to figure out which artist did which section. So, okay. uh, so which parts did you draw? Did you draw, like, the, the ending or the beginning? <laughs> so um so costas did all of the god world stuff where you've got the kind of like i think it looks a, a little bit like um it, it reminds me of mobius the work he did with um oh god i'm blanking on the name come on uh whatever the um 
God, the guy who was going to do the Doom movie, whatever. Um, and so he did all the God pages. Those are, I think, pretty like distinct from the stuff that I do. Um, and Vivi did the first page at the beginning that has the police officers. Oh, okay. And I did the mostly the body of the book, which all takes place in like the you know post-apocalypse snow wasteland. So okay, so so there's weird, um, yeah, there's like weird god-like people with symbols on their bodies, and that was Costas, mm. yep. right? Okay. Yep. And then the very first page has police officers, and that's Vivi. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then you covered all of the child Messiah uh, in the in the snow. Yeah. 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 Okay. The the main the main storyline is the stuff that I did. So yeah. Okay. Cool. All the watercolor and all that stuff. Yeah. Which was very. It's very Frank Miller, looking. <laughs> yeah. I I kind of so. When I, when I first realized that I actually had a shot in this industry is when I saw Frank Miller and the gigantic like ape shit on the wall smearing mess that he did. And I was like, holy cow, dude, if this guy can be taken seriously, like I can do this. And that's not to like deride Frank Miller as an artist. I love it. But it's just like, it's a fucking nightmare mess. Yeah. Um, and it, it also, and also like Ralph Steadman is another guy I've gotten a lot of inspiration from who worked with Hunter S. Thompson a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, just the crazy, like messy, splattery, just, ah, God, it's crazy. And um, you just kind of get this flow of consciousness feel from it. And it, it feels very immediate. Like, um, like these things are happening to you. Like you're like, it's violent to look at it. And so that's kind of the, the stuff that I really gravitate towards. Mostly because it's fun to draw that way. Um, it, it's almost like playing music or something when you're sitting there just going like, you really get into it. So. so you use a lot of like improvisation when you're drawing. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 I, I like, I have to, I've tried to plan it out, but it just looks too like, ah, uh, I, I don't like shitting on anyone, but it, the example I use is like the old kind of golden age comic books where the characters all look like they're opposed action figures standing still. Yeah. And I just, I, I don't want my artwork to be like that, which is good because I have no chance at like achieving that you know, stillness. I have, I have more trouble like drawing, you know, things that are standing still than things that are moving and have a lot of emotions. So, you know, and I always try to, you know, challenge myself to tackle those tasks when they come up, but it's like, it's always harder than drawing like a, you know, a highly emotional person doing something complicated. Right, right. So how much, how many times do you kind of like throw whatever you were doing out and like start again? Or, or do you just kind of keep, keep adding to it? Well, I usually, I love, um, I'm not going to talk about Kim Jong-ji again. I did, I did that earlier this week, <laughs> but he's, a, he's this awesome uh, Korean artist and his illustrative thing is that he doesn't use guides. He improvises everything um, using usually like a Pentel pocket brush, which is, a, is an ink pen, like a, like a brush pen. And when not using guides, he's kind of just got to improvise everything. And whenever he makes a mistake, he finds a way to either cover it up or use it to, you know, it. to, to service the, the piece. And so that's kind of what I try to do. I don't generally throw things out unless I just look in and go, no, that's not going to yeah. work, which does happen sometimes. And, you know, it's important to recognize that instead of like going, you're in like, oh, I don't want to start over, you know, because then what the hell is that? Yeah. So. <laughs> like when you're in a bad, it's a bad day. Some, sometimes you just have a bad day. and it, yeah, Absolutely. You can't yeah. use it. I try not to have bad days. Like that's part of being a professional artist is going like, you know, how do I work through this? I'm having an off day. I'm tired, whatever. What, what kind of like substances do I have to put inside my body or like, you know, <laughs> do I have to meditate for 20 minutes? Like, what do I have to do to get through this? And, you know, 
So you're working full time as a, as an artist and um, I'm assuming graphic design and illustration. Yeah, I do anything I can get my hands on really. <laughs> cool. Um, so, so what's your work schedule like? Are you working seven days a week or have you uh, kind of narrowed it down to five or? I mean, I, I pretty much do work seven days a week only because I just don't feel a need to stop on the weekend. Like every once in a while, I'll take a day off. Like tomorrow is my wife's birthday. So we're going to go to San Francisco and I'm probably not going to get any work done tomorrow, but like that's planned. It's not like, Oh, what am I going to do? You know? So it's all about having the plan and sticking to it. And I try to, I I keep my little, my weekly day-to-day planner and I try to plan things out at least a week and ahead, you know, detailed, what am I going to do today stuff? And yeah, I end up working, um, five to seven days a week eight to 10 hours, whatever, you know, just to get what the, the important thing, I don't pay attention to how long I work. It's just like, what do I need to get done? And you know, how can I get out of schedule, whatever. So. And a lot of our listeners may or may not be people who want to make comics for the first time um, or just people who are making comics, maybe starting out or complete veterans. So that just covers everyone. Um, and they're wondering, <laughs> do you pay taxes? <laughs> Oh my God. I wish I didn't. Jesus Christ. I learned actually, this is, this year was the first time of the first year that I had, um, a really like my, almost all of my income was, was coming from this, which is really great. It's a big deal. Wow. Um, but I learned that there was a thing called self-employment tax, which is basically your social security or Medicare. And, uh, that snuck up on me last week, got a mail on the IRS for it. Hey, you forgot to put this on your turbo tax. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I used the four letter words and sent them half the money I saved up to pay this year's taxes. So, yeah, that's a lot of fun. So yes, I do pay taxes, but, um, to me it's worth the bullshit to be able to get out of bed in the morning and go, okay, who am I working for? That's right. It's me, (laughs) which, you know, (laughs) that doesn't appeal to everybody, but like, it's a big one for, for me. Not, not as a narcissist so much as like, uh, just to, I don't know. It just feels free. You know, that's really nice. For those that, uh, are wondering about their taxes though, you are much better able to itemize your deductions. If you're self-employed than if you were say for like me who works for a company. So Eric's an accountant, by the yeah. way. I'm an accountant, oh, no. by the way. So when I heard like when you I heard self-employment tax, I'm like, oh yeah, he, that's a big deal. He kind of you remember that. You should <laughs> <Yeah>. pay quarterly. <laughs> oh god. Also um, have a Roth IRA because that's the best type of savings. Yes, yeah, I do and, have a Roth IRA. That oh, is the correct type of IRA to have. <laughs> um. So Rob, uh, can we look at a page and just talk about how you made it? I'd love to. Okay. Let's do it. I'm also curious what, what caught your eyes. That'll be interesting to Whoa. Ah, yes. That's my favorite line in the book. <laughs> Good morning, dickhead child. Good morning, dickhead child. Ah, yes. <laughs> there it is. So when, you, when you're starting this page, is this, toward, this is towards the beginning of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, how do, where do you start with this page? Always start with the backgrounds. Oh, okay. Well, I guess we could go all the way back to the beginning um, with the script and for everything we kind of did secret. Um, I'm going to write my disaster artist book in probably 10 years where I explain how we did this whole book out of order. That'll be fun. Oh, but wow. For now, wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a crazy story, but uh, for now I'll just tell you like the process for making this page was um, doing paneling 
right? So that's taking the script and kind of knocking it out into what composition I want it to, to, to be. And then I okay. send it to Kevin and go, cause it's really important with every, every time I've ever, um, worked with somebody to be like, you know, I want you to have input on the artwork and I also want to have input on the script, like to be able to, you know, bounce things off you and say, you know, can we change this? Can we change that? Or, you know, at least have the ability to go, Hey, that's a really good script. And for that to mean something to you, you know, I think that's important in, in any partnership. Right. So anyways, we do the paneling and once that's approved, I go in and do the backgrounds, which for this was all, it's all actually one watercolor painting. That's just like a Kralix's bedroom wall. And he's got like some pictures and like a curtain and shit up there. Okay. Okay. And, and um, and then I went and did the line work, which is on a separate piece of paper entirely. So I go and get some 18 by 24 drawing paper and um, lay some ink down, scan it in. Uh, and all the coloring aside from the water. So the watercolor backgrounds are all watercolor, no okay. digitals. And okay. the subjects are all colored um, digitally. So that's why they're kind of, I, I, I wanted to give it that because Kevin was really kind of, he, he likes that my, my artwork kind of has a little bit of an anime look. Like people say that it reminds them of the animated scenes from Kill Bill sometimes. And I'm like, okay, okay. okay. So I, I kind of took it the extra step and like made it look even more like a cartoon in that way, you know, with like flat subject coloring and a painted background. So Interesting. All right. Yeah, I, I see that mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And so you're talking about like kind of the foreground is digital. Yes. And the background is watercolor. Yes, absolutely. Okay. And, and then, then there's effects put on to the foreground to like kind of make it blend in a little bit. Like I also take some watercolor textures I've, I've scanned in and uh, isolated as brushes or whatever. And, right. um, you know, and added that on. So it's sort of, it doesn't look out of place unless it, you know, unless I want it to, which is cool. Yeah, that's great. Um, okay. So that's interesting. I've never heard of uh, scanning the background and scanning the foreground separately. Um, does that take an extra step of time? Like it does. That, yeah. In, so in a way it makes it, it, it does make it take longer because well, with watercolor, it's a whole process. Like that's a whole day right there. If I'm making a page, I, I would usually do like several pages at once. So I could just do like three pages. I do one step of the process every day. So I do inks one day, watercolors the next day, digitals usually takes two days, whatever. Okay. And so by the end of the week, I've got three or four pages done. Interesting. And it, yeah. Um, it's it's easier to set up like watercolors all at once, right? Like use the same color on se several pages, yeah. possibly. Yeah. So if you've got yeah, that's a that's a really good observation. So if you've got a scene like a few pages that take place in the same location, and you want the colors to be consistent, now oftentimes I take notes, but still it is good to have that immediate like okay, I was using that color, and you you know. It does each when you make a palette it doesn't last forever. So you you know right. um, either have to mix it up or well, whatever. Um, and what makes it easier though, like obviously with this one, I painted one background, so I'm kind of cheating a little bit. Yeah. But in other <laughs> in other parts, there's like tons of different backgrounds on the same page, so it's like it becomes a lot harder. So it kind of balances out in the end. So just so our li listeners are clear, you're you're saying that you painted one background and then you like digitally you just copied it into each panel. That's absolutely right. Yeah, okay. Boy, it's, you make it sound like I'm lazy. <laughs> hey, so lazy is, is you, smart, you know? Smarter, not harder, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's all good. Uh, so for example, the first background is different than the fourth background in that there's just simply more um, drapes. 
Mm-hmm. Was the drape just purposely cut off, like from in like the first one compared to the last one? It's a closer angle, so he he yeah. just blew it up. It's the same thing. Yeah, so it's like it's an oversized background that's probably I don't know. You're seeing maybe two thirds of the actual painting in any one of the panels at any given time. So you know that allows me to kind of move. It's almost like you're moving a camera around. I, a lot of times when I'm thinking about comics, I think about it like, what would I do if I was shooting a movie? So you know, yeah. you you the the watercolor background is almost like you're making a set. And so you build the set that you're going to move your camera around inside. And, but you don't need to make anything outside of that unless the context is somehow important, which I guess I understand. But. That's awesome. That's a cool way of pro- doing this process. Um, yeah, it it kind of came about organically. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I've never seen it done before, but I, you know, I hope that people see this and are inspired by it and try it out. You know, how, how did you come to this, this uh, workflow? Like how did, how did, <laughs> man, um, I've always just tried to do different shit. Like, I think the, can I show you guys a book? Oh, wait, we're on the radio. Sorry. Um, for the people that go to our website, they're actually able to see us via YouTube. Oh, so you can show it to us. And then just, uh, for those that are just listening to the podcast, go to dumbcomicreators.com and watch for you a second. It's on our Patreon. It's free to watch. <laughs> free to watch. All right. I need to take my headphones off for a second. Okay. <clears throat> Well, we're wrapping between the two of us, me and Keegan. So, Keegan, how you doing? No, oh, I'm going to cut back. this. I'm going to cut this. Okay. All right. This is The Fountain. So, this is the first book that I read that had um, – and you guys are familiar with the story of The Fountain, Darren Aronofsky's movie. It's the same concept where there's, like, three different storylines going on at once. You've got the modern day, the conquistador, and there's, like, some weird esoteric future guy flying around a, like, space bubble. And yeah. each one of those worlds in this graphic novel – has a different art style. It's kind of hard to see, but like, and it's all done in this crazy, like oil paint stuff. Oh, right. Like, and there's, so there's that one. I'll just show you a good example of like the contrast. And then in the modern one, it's really stark and everything's done in like two colors and just kind of, I mean, it's crazy. So when I saw that, I'm going like, okay, I've got to come up with something that looks as interesting as this. So right from the beginning, when I started making comics, this is in like 2009, I just started just trying everything. And some of it was crap, some of it was cool, and some of it was cool when I did it, and now it looks like crap. So I, I just tried everything I could get my hands on to, to make something interesting. And so I'm continuing to do that. And I think that's how it come, came about. I was just like, oh shit, that's a neat idea. I've never done that before. And uh, boom, here we are. And how did you get attached to this project? Um, I've been working with Kevin for a long time, since about 2015. Um, and we've just been kind of working on projects and this this freak zone thing has been kind of like under under the hood for a while and so that's why we're able so there's this graphic novel that's coming out and the ongoing that's just title freak snow which is going to be you know a 30 or so page comic book series and you know each issue is a comic and two issues of that are done already and those are going to be releasing in january and february so great like we've been working on this for a while and Kevin and I started when I was shopping around my first series called Scene Six. It was this little mini graphic novel that never ended up going anywhere, but like he liked it a lot. And so we started working together and kind of realized that we sort of have like a, a yin and yang skill set thing going where, you know, he's good at marketing stuff. He likes marketing stuff. He's like a social media guru. He's the reason I'm here doing this podcast with you guys. Yeah, like, he kind he of was uh, out there shopping it around. So. He threw you to the wolves. Yeah. Yes, yes. I, 
I'm happy to do it because he has a funny accent and like people can't understand what he's saying, but it's great. That's like part of what people like about him. Yeah. But, um, and he'll, he'll tell you about it too. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of where it all came from. We've just stuck together because, um, you know, he does the stuff I want, I don't like doing and vice versa. So, you know, and, um, yeah, we're going to be working with behemoth comics this year. It's awesome so far. And, um hopefully when our book comes out we make some cash so yeah yeah that's not the that's not number one but it that's, is it, it sure would be nice <laughs> it's number one let's, let's it's it's number it's number one alongside like making a great product like yeah you know. um cool uh, i want to go back to this page one last time sorry to be boring yeah. but uh we didn't talk about the lettering yet um, oh yeah how did how did you do the lettering yeah so the lettering is just um photoshop so, okay. and just using all, a whole bunch of different fonts. So I, I just went in there and, and did all that with different text, but you know, you got to find the right lettering, uh, the, the right font and all that stuff. So it's just yeah. a pain. So what, what made you choose this kind of, uh, it's, it's very, um, it looks very sloppy sort of. It's like um, all, uh, it, yeah, I don't know. It's kind very like expressive. Yeah, it's very expressive, like, like the artwork. Yeah. So that's why I think it matches the artwork. You know, I tried a few of the more standard comic book fonts and, uh, you know, it just, it just looked, it, it stood out. You know, it's a weird thing. Like if you put this font into a comic book that had more like, I don't know, standard style artwork, it would be like, why the hell did they do that? But with yeah. this in, in a way it sort of blends in like that's what I've always been told. And what I think is true about lettering is like it, if you notice the lettering, you're probably doing something wrong or like, not if you notice it, but you know what I mean? Like if it yeah. stands out or if you go like, geez, what's with the lettering? It's supposed to kind of be like the thing, kind of like the soundtrack in a movie or, you know, the sound design or something like that, where you're supposed to not really notice it. It just has its effect. Yeah. What I thought was great about having you do basically all of this, um, the color, the, the ink, the lettering is that it looks like you did all of it. It's very much, like you're the director, the auteur of this comic book, and um, and you kind of took it in your direction, you know, after after Kevin wrote it. So yeah, that's that's pretty much the idea. We we he had a lot more control over this one. Like he would tell me, yeah, we got to change this, we got to change that. So we did a lot of um, refurbishing on it. But um, with the ongoing series, we are doing more of a producer director relationship. So he's just kind of coming up with a with the main story beats and I'm writing the script oh, and wow. like doing everything after that. So wow, and I like wow. that a little better because it, it, it reduces the amount of, Hey, what about this? What about this? What about this? So, you know, I submit him my script and you know, we just kind of go from there and then he spends all his time telling people about it, you know, while it's in production. So. Right. Right. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's, it's cool. And that one I'm hand lettering, which is way more time consuming, but it's gonna, it looks really, it, it, it looks like this, but better. <laughs> is that part of Freak Snow? Uh, what do you mean, like the hand, the hand handwritten stuff? Yeah, or? yeah. For that um, comic. Yeah, yeah. Yes, oh, yes. yeah. Okay. Uh, cool, cool. Um, and and then what font is the the angel voice? Is that? Uh, I think that one's called Traveling. So it's yeah, it, it's okay. it's all typed. There's there's I don't think there 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 are a few like moments where there's handwritten um, you know yeah. dialogue. Yeah. If you see something that looks especially violent, uh, that's probably my brushwork. But um, but you've still even even like the sans serif, you've really gone in an expressive way, and it's it like covers different parts of the panel. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. And it's yeah. I, I kind of had to sell Kevin on that one because um it it seemed too weird to me to just have like these disembodied, you know, rectangles or whatever how you usually do narration. So I wanted to take the um the super it, it contrasts with the world right like it, it looks like it doesn't belong there and it right. really doesn't because it's this weird god character that's kind of invading the world yeah and so and on top of that when you're doing it without borders you can kind of work it into the artwork in, in kind of a cool way and i've seen there was one comic book that a guy who's unfortunately i don't remember his name but he did a comic book called super Knot, and it had this really cool like infographic thing going out through throughout the whole thing and that inspired me to kind of you know work the text into the artwork and you know Interesting. So that, was a, that was fun. Yeah, because you see the like angel talking to the character like a lot, you know, in comics. Yeah, and this it's was a constant <laughs> a unique take, yeah, of of like having that voice really intrude when it needs to. Um, cool. And and like changing decibels, right? That's like the size of the font is the decibel. Yeah, you can that. tell when when he's getting yelled at, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Um, so, Eric. Um, my just question is, so you're probably at this point used to working just with one person, the writer or the employer, whoever it is for your artworks. Did you work with the other illustrators as well? Because obviously like the God parts affected your parts and vice versa. So I don't know how to pronounce his name. Keegan, how do I pronounce <laughs> his name? We're going to just go with Costas. Costas. <laughs> we're sorry, man. Costas, if you're listening to this, we're probably going to Costas, I apologize. <laughs> But He's were great. you working with Kosis as all? Because obviously those two were reflecting back and forth. Let's call him KP. Had, KP. We had almost, we had almost, I had almost zero contact with the other artists. The only thing that I did was the lettering for their pages. And, you know, we kind of did like, how does this look? How does that look? Kind of stuff. But for the most part, Kevin was, was doing that, which, <laughs> I mean, I, the fact that you got that it looks to you like we were working together, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I was reacting as best I could to the artwork that was coming from those, from those other two. So I mean, it was a it was a pretty crazy like style of production, but I think it came out pretty cool. Did you do the lettering for those pages? Yeah, I did the lettering for all of them. Interesting, because it looks so different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's intentional for sure. It's it's great because even that that fits that style. So it, he literally just said that Keegan he did the uh, lettering for uh, them. <laughs> I know. Okay, I was I was looking at the art. I wasn't I wasn't paying attention. All right. It, it rested his attention away. It did. It, it did. did. <laughs> Did you like this experience, like, more or less similar to compared to the rest? Uh, the rest of the books that I've done or projects that I've been working on? All of the above. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it had parts where it was, it was pretty frustrating. Um, and just working, adding uh, uh, that number of people to a production just adds complication. And, and some of it was me where I'd just be like, Kevin would tell me to redo something like, yeah, do that but then i'd you know look at the the pages as a whole and go like yeah he's right so there was a there was some of that and um it was just a long process i think it's the longest book i've ever done it's 75 um, pages yeah 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 it's it's pretty long oh also i forgot about this the one who if you had to guess who do you i probably gave it away uh who do you think did uh we jesus <laughs> uh not you uh, I would I would say Vivi, right? No, nah, that was me too. That was you? Yeah. Yeah, that was me. My dad, I mean, my, when my dad saw that, he's like, what the hell is this? My son did <laughs> So like, yeah, that was me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, I could guess because there was like a purple wash on the back of that. Uh, <laughs> it was like making it look like the page had, uh, yeah, obviously you, you watercolored over some real pages. Yes. Yes, I did. So, yeah, I mean, that, that was another weird thing that we just kind of threw in there. <laughs> it's like Kevin's like, yeah, we're going to use that weed Jesus thing you did. Like, oh, Jesus, really? <laughs> okay. So the, big, the big thing I've been avoiding in this interview, um, mm. almost intentionally, to be honest, is, is the plot of this comic. Okay. And, um, and, but like it revolves around a pop culture loving angel who's trying to help the next messiah mm. is that it boiled down that's pretty good yeah okay. i think you pretty much nailed it it's like <laughs> um the angel has this kind of lust for power and fame okay. and they are trying to sort of pass that on to kralix the main character and like the only way they know how which is to be a jackass okay so that's okay. pretty much yeah i mean that's that's the the basically what it boils down to cool okay and so he, his we Jesus, for our listeners' sake, <laughs> was like his first attempt at, uh, at yeah, at, at they, a they Messiah. felt merciful right. for some reason too. Yeah, it was going to be all right. Here's we Jesus. This is going to be my thing. They're like, that's so stupid. Oh. And then, <laughs> and then, then I got his second one to try, and he asks for the main count shows up. Yes, yeah. that's pretty much when the show starts. But you know, it's it's all interconnected in a in a strange way. I'm sure we're going to see more weed Jesus in the future. Kevin just loves that concept so much. Oh, it's great! It's really fun. Yeah, especially in you know, like watching all this stupid news stuff, and you see that they all turn into hippies. It was <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Um, and then, yeah, and then, so there's three artists on the comic and each artist is telling a different part of the story and the styles are completely different. Uh, but the, did the one artist only do one page of this? Yeah, Vivi only did one and she knocked it out in a night too. It was amazing. Like, Jesus, how did you wow. do that? Wow. But she, she crushed it. She's, she's on it. Yeah. And that part of the story doesn't come back ever. No, anyway. so... yeah. It's um, the, the child that dies inside the pregnant woman be, is like reborn as the God. Got the it. God character okay. that okay. we're following. So, yeah. Oh, man. Okay. That's, so that's it, it is not a non sequitur. <laughs> okay, cool. All right. So that's the whole plot. We got it. We, there we you nailed go. it. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> Without giving any spoilers or anything out. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Rob, you've been an awesome guest. Thanks, man. It was I'd been, love it's to been a lot get in. I'd love to get into why this was so frustrating, but uh, you're trying to promote the comic, and not scare people away. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like it's not frustrating to read. I don't think so. No, so, no. Check it out. no it's a Watch good some read. guys get their their heads smashed by a big dude in the snow. That's no. It's fun. it's a very <laughs> impressive book, and it's it's a very fun read. Thank you. Well. We we worked so hard on it, man. It's great to hear that. I'm I'm so glad that it's getting the reception that it's been that it has been. It's it's so cool and. Um, Man, you guys are gonna love the uh, the ongoing too. Uh, I I will be sure to reach out with you and and we'll we'll get you a free copy of that one too. Cool, cool. And um, how do how do you, uh, people find this? How if they listen now and they want to support this book? So uh, Freak Snow has an Instagram. We we're on Facebook. Um, I am also on Instagram and Facebook. If you just search Rob Canna Design, you will track me down. Um, Kevin Rotatelli is also can also be found on on those. I don't really do Twitter um 
I, th I think, no, when I do Instagram, I automatically post to Twitter, so go for it. Um, <laughs> Rob Cannon or Blown Minded or something. Um, okay. I, I can provide you guys links if you do show notes. But and yeah, your, so that's where your you can website find us. is Blown Minded. Um, it's, I, I like to, so I, I you, uh, that is technically my domain, but I changed it to rcannon.design because I don't have to spell that for people. Oh, okay. Blown Minded, how do you spell it? I used to get that all the time over the phone. So rcannon.design, you can find my portfolio. So okay. If you want to check out my artwork, that's how you do it. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. It's been a good, good, good old time. Thank yeah, you. it has. All right. Bye. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, Eric. Hey, Keegan. What a great guest we just had. He was interesting to say the least. I learned a lot. Mr. Rob Cannon, thank you for coming on the show. And thank you for giving us for not being able to pronounce your colleague's name. I think we did okay. I did horrible. <laughs> well, I'm going to call him uh, KP and Riva mm -hmm. and Kevin, Kevin mm -hmm. Rodatelli. And Vivian is, I believe, her last ones. It was Vivi Eckert, Costas Pantulas. Pantolas. Pantulas. 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 The weirdest way I could say that is pain towel lace. Pain, pain towel, towel lace. Pain towel lace. But okay. I don't think it's that. I think it's uh, it's probably one of the other ways. We'll find out. Anyway, very, very talented artist either mm -hmm. way. So no matter how you say your name, good work. <laughs> good job, us. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to definitely review this comic next week. Yes. Because uh, it deserves it. So what is next? So next, um, I have actually been editing my comic and not completely ready to send uh, to you to get your final review. Uh, this is the grade. deal maker? Yes, this is the deal maker. Uh, okay. For those that don't remember, this was originally supposed to be about a police officer who's bored and is kind of warped into a storyline where it's more about the villain than it is about uh, the main character. Okay. Well, and how did that happen? Um, just simply because um, I had a general idea of where I was going, but I didn't have a complete idea. Yeah. And when I was writing it, I realized more and more the character that was the most interesting, the character that I actually cared about was the dealmaker, who is the villain more so than the main character. The villain to the cop, right? Yeah, the villain to the cop. Yeah. We don't know if he's a real villain. Yeah. Let's he's a villain in my head, but <laughs> yeah, he is a villain. Like, well, to the cop, he's definitely a villain. Well, so like in modern day wrestling, the villains, the heels, more often than not, are actually cheered more than like the good guys because <laughs> they're actually the only interesting characters. Right. So they're the he's the villain in that. I think he's the only interesting character. Yeah, that's true. I mean, or the most wants interesting. To, who wants to read about a mopey cop? Yeah, that, that's literally what the his character is. He's like mopey cop. Good job. Yeah. Character. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but it is an interesting uh, premise, right? So, yeah. and from that premise, you found a more interesting, like storyline or yep. through line, is what we'll call it. Mm -hmm. but that's our, that's great. So, the deal maker, where is it at? Because uh, the last few weeks it has been nowhere because you've mm -hmm. had life stuff. I know. Yes. So, um, it is being currently written on a word document, and. In the Word document itself, I am have updated slash edited everything uh, 
all except for pages seven and eight on the Word document. Not in the comic, but up to page seven, eight in the Word document. So Very, it's almost, almost done. Okay. Yeah, and so that's eight, page 18 and 19 in the comic, right? Yep. Or, or the last page few eight, pages, right? Last few pages. I think it's the last okay. four to five pages. Okay. Great. Um, all right. And how long did it take you? Uh, it took me to re-edit everything all given about a two and a half hours. Um, I ended up eliminating one of the characters because I realized that he could have just been, he could have been filled in by a different character. Okay. Um, so I, at one point had um, the good guy version of the deal maker just show up, be randomly at the bar. Yeah. And I realized that role could be filled by, up by the bartender himself. So the bartender who is completely a background character I actually have given him a more prominent role. Cool. That sounds so good. I ended up having to rewrite part of it, which is what took the longest because I had given a fair amount of pages and description and everything to this one old guy character who I called Whitebeard. And <laughs> okay. literally I took him out. He's no longer in it. He could come in later, but I doubt he will. Right. Okay. So instead uh, that, that role is being served by the bartender yep. and it's less people to draw and less work for the artist and clearer, more concise writing. So sounds yep. good to me. Um, great. So today we're going to talk about dialogue in comics and it sounds like you are at the point in your rewrite where that conversation might come in handy. Very much so. Okay. So we're both, we've been doing comedy and improvisational comedy for a while, for over 10 years, right? Between the two of us, yeah, over 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it's been about 10 years. No, maybe not quite no, 10 I years. I think it's been about five years for the two of us like each. Seven years. We'll, we'll split the difference. We'll okay. call it. <laughs> I don't think it's that long, but okay. Seven years. I mean, what's seven years? 2013? Maybe, maybe like, yeah, I mean, it was close to then. You were definitely doing suburbs. I was improv. doing suburbs, but I don't count that as improv. I count it. I mean, you were doing improv. That's true. Yeah. So that's seven years. So I was right. And that's what's most important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, sure. Whatever. Six okay. years. Six years? Okay. Six years. All right. Fine. I'll give you six. So yeah, we've been doing improv 12 years between the two of us. Six years each. Okay. <laughs> Are you sure it's not 13 years? No. <laughs> it's not, not 6.5 years. I'm not greedy. Six years. Okay. okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Well, when did you start? What month? Because maybe it's been through. <laughs> it was like July, if I remember. <laughs> July 2014. Okay. Uh, all right. So let's get into it. So mm -hmm. in improv, they say um, always be listening. Um, AB. Nope, that's that's not a. There's so, no abbreviation for that. Tina Fey has a list of five rules, and her number one rule is and always will be yes and. Mm -hmm. Whatever I say, you agree with that, and then you add on to it. Then her next rule, which I actually think should be her number one rule, because I think it's more important than that is to always be listening. Right. Um, because I doesn't matter if I yes and you if I only hear half of what you say. Because that means I wasn't yes anding you entirely. I wasn't listening. That's the biggest part. Right. You can't yes something you don't hear. Right. Yeah. You can 
you can say that's a bicycle and I can say, yes, it has two wheels, but it's not, you know, you weren't really paying attention. So yeah, it doesn't really add anything. Bicycles by definition has two wheels. So. Right. But whereas <laughs> if I said yes, and it looks like a piece of trash uh, that, that gives, nobody should ride. Yeah. That, it's an illustration that people understand what I'm, we were talking about. It's more detailed than it's a two wheeled bicycle. That's redundant and pointless. Okay. So beyond descriptive, um, you know, a character being descriptive of an, of an item in a room, which is boring. Uh, what happens in an improv scene is two actors will uh, meet on stage. They'll have no idea what they're doing and they will start having a conversation. And what's most important in that conversation is that both actors are listening to each other because, um, it's through that listening that they're able to identify who they are, where they are, what they're doing, and what the scene's about. What do I mean by um, who they are, Eric? Well, so we, the, when it, we come into a scene by saying who we are, we don't know who, what our relationship is to each other. If uh, we come into an idea and our suggestion was pineapple, we could be best friends on a vacation. We could be brothers. Okay. Um, Instead of, we'll just say that, okay, so we've identified that we're brothers on vacation, right? Yeah. Okay. So in a comic book, that doesn't really apply because you're going to know who your characters are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what's the next place? Where are they? Yeah, um, where are they? So again, in a comic book, that's kind of covered because you know where they are in the scene By as, the the, as the writer. Yeah, you've, you've covered that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on vacation in Hawaii on a beach. Yes. Uh, for our purposes. Uh, what are they doing? Um, that is also could be somewhat illustrated by the picture. So if they're drinking pina coladas while hanging on the beach, you could see what they're doing, but that can only get you half of the picture because you don't know what the conversation is between the two of them. You don't know why they're there. Yeah. Like, are they? Um, but, but, but for the sake of, um, but I will say this about comic books. Mm-hmm. Um, starting from a place of improv and like going through these steps can give you more interesting characters because instead of two hitmen sitting in a van somewhere watching the person they're going to about to go kill and then saying, let's go get that guy. What maybe one of them has made a, is like flipping cards and like that's something an actor might do on screen just at the beginning of a scene is just flip through some cards and maybe the other one's eating a burger. And like, if you give them something to do that has nothing to do with their purpose in the scene, which is to go kill that guy that just walked in a bar, um, the you're creating uh, an atmosphere for those characters to react to each other. So like maybe the guy eating the burger is like, I hate when you do magic tricks, please stop. You know? And it's just, uh, based on that other character holding a deck of cards. So as, as you can see, like the more you add in or scene paint is what they call it in improvisational comedy, the more interesting your characters get, even if they're kind of one-dimensional. Each character should have their own SH, uh, no matter what. So let's say we were SHIT, I used to want to say the spare, swear word, had their own thing about What are you them. doing with your hands? I was shuffling cards to illustrate <laughs> the point. You were doing sound effects. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Uh, 
each character should have their own thing. Yeah, their own thing. So let's say, so even like if you were interacting, let's say you're interacting with the victim at that point. Um, my thing could be like, I've got a stomachache because of the burger that I just ate. And I was forced to run after this guy. So I'm not in a good mood. So maybe I'm holding my stomach and not really paying attention and letting you do your thing while you're interacting with the soon-to-be victim. Right. So, and some of this comes from the writing itself, right? If you're writing the first time and you can do kind of this process line by line um, of of scene building, that's kind of what writing is in the first place. But if you're going back and you're re-editing um, and you're and you're trying to figure out what's going on, why it's not really popping or interesting. Uh, this is stuff that you can throw in. These are just ideas for you to throw into your script to make it more interesting, to build out more three-dimensional characters that aren't just two hitmen. You don't want just two hitmen sitting in a truck. You want your readers to know those hitmen's name and like what they're like and who they are and like why they're funny or whether doofuses or whether skilled trained assassins or or what you know um cool so uh so after you have the who what what they're doing where they are um it's time to get into that uh why of the scene Mm -hmm. what is that eric the why is just simply like what makes it where are we supposed to care about this for um are we is it supposed to be like a tense thing like with the two hitman like are they like tense like they're ready to kill the guy at any moment they're about to go off because they're unhinged maybe it's a comedy thing maybe they're like the three stooges of hitmen and are tripping over their own legs or something like that too or maybe it's like a somber reflection about like their life like what led them to this point that they're being forced to earn a living by killing people so you're like, so trying to find what's happening between the lines, but you need the lines to get there. And then, and there's a few um, there's a few tips on that. Like talking about um, external people is usually not interesting for somebody watching or reading. Um, so if they're sitting there talking about somebody who's not there, uh, people you know they're they're not really talking about anything. They're yeah. There, there's no emotional content. So really what scenes are built on, good scenes, is emotional reactions between the two characters. So let's let's do just a very brief... Uh, so there's one trick to this, and we're going to demonstrate. So let's start a scene, Eric. Wow, that was amazing pineapple juice. I can't believe you just said that to me. That's important to me because I spent almost no time on that pineapple juice and i accidentally spilled a lot of salt into it i can't believe you just said that to me that's important to me because i am on a high calorie or a low calorie diet and and salt is very deadly to me so i could be dead any second now i can't believe you just said that to me that's important to me because i was trying to kill you with this mop and i somehow managed to do it with the drink that you're holding so I'm feeling very happy. I can't believe you just said that to me. That's important to me because I feel offended that you're happy that I'm dying. I thought we were friends, and that is upsetting me. 
ah, I can't believe you just said that to me. That's important to me because I've never had a friend before. And now I feel really bad. I can't believe you just said that to me. That's important to me because even though you feel really bad, you could be doing more than, you know, talking about how you're going to kill me. Okay, so as you can see from this demonstration, just adding, I can't believe you just said that to me, that's important to me because, to what a character is saying, mm -hmm. while it doesn't sound great, it does force you as a writer to add something emotionally involved to what the character's saying. Like the character has to find what they're about to say important, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so... So if you got if if we just cut the I can't believe you just said that to me that's important to me because from all of those lines we have a pretty funny scene um, where the characters are reacting emotionally to what is being said and each line has weight to that scene to that scene about a guy getting poisoned by salt <laughs> instead of killed with a mop yeah. so. Uh, yeah, so um, when you're doing dialogue in your comic and your characters are talking to each other, you should go line by line and see if they're actually reacting to what the other character is saying and taking what the other character is saying as important. Each line should be considered to be the most important line that person's ever said, ever, no matter what. So even if the line simply is, I farted, that's the most important line ever for whatever reason. Right. Because that, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there are a couple other uh, comic-related tips we have. Um, when you're writing out comics, it's common to just write, like, what sounds really cool, and, like, you're typing, and it sounds like, this is great. But then you read it, and it sounds like, um, if you, if you don't read it out loud, what I'm trying to say is if you don't read it out loud, it's going to sound bad. There's, there's one other thing that really is important. And that is to remember that you're making a comic book. Mm -hmm. So the reader can see everything that is happening. Unlike a novel, um, where you have to write everything in that, that's happening and all the details and, and stuff. In a comic book, the scene is right there for people to see. And what do I mean by that, Eric? It, what we mean by that is we don't need to describe the angle, what we're, what's happening. Like, so if the person's punching somebody with their right fist, you don't need to write down, I'm punching you with my right fist. You will physically see the person punching them with their right, with their right fist. Right. Or... Um, if a car explodes, you don't need characters to say, look. The car's at exploding. That, at that car. <laughs> it's exploding. Or I, I read a comic um, and like for three pages, there was no dialogue or there shouldn't have been any dialogue. It was just a character kind of sneaking into a building. Mm -hmm. But like every panel had this character going, I'm jumping. I need to be fast here. Oh, I'm feeling out of breath. Oh, this this ladder is so tall. <laughs> and it just completely took me out of the comic because there was I couldn't imagine somebody doing all those things and describing them to themselves. It was it was very neurotic. So, 
those are some dialogue tips. Uh, Eric, do you mind if we look at your script and see no, go what for you it. have here? Okay. So I'm going to share my screen. Okay. So we have page seven up. Um, Hank and Jim, where are they in the first panel? Um, so in page seven, uh, Hank is, this is like a memory, like, of it, like he's describing what happened to him. Okay. Um, there was, he was in a convenience store when, uh, two people like tried to rob the place. Okay. And by the time he, he did by, so by the time he reacted, they had already been, um, incapacitated and somebody wrote like the superheroes wrote a message for him on the ceiling. Okay. And the, the, so the message on the ceiling is thank you, sir, for all that you have done, but we will take it from here. So that message is on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then in panel two, Hank and Jim are in the cop car and they're having a conversation. So Hank says, word spreads quickly. I haven't seen a hint of crime, white color or otherwise. Heck, look at all the streets. They are cleaned nightly at 3 a.m. So it appears as if they have never been driven on. I have not seen a hint of crime, white or other, since the super squad marched in. Face it, kid. We are the dinosaurs looking at the meteor coming down. We are extinct. Just don't know it yet. So, and then Jim responds, uh, we must serve some purpose, right, Hank? And then Hank goes to sleep. And then Jim says, I think we are important. So that's, that's a short scene. <laughs> and so I would, I honestly, so just reading that out loud, the first one with Hank, yeah. it needs to be cleaned up. There's repetitive parts. I repeat something. Mm -hmm. um, I miss some grammar again because I tend to do stream of conscience. So I will write something and just, if it sounds like correct, flowing out, and then I'll go back and re-edit it. So. That's fine. There's plenty of people who do that. And there, there's lots of drafts. People have like 13 drafts, 15 drafts of scripts before they're finished, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, and it's fine to do that. Um, so I'm not trying to out, out your bad writing or anything. Um, but let's, so just talking about that, I think it's too long for one panel or for one speech bubble, um, possibly, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of a, like a long speech. Um, so I might separate it as like word spreads quickly and I haven't seen a hint of crime white collar or otherwise. And then bam, he's like onto his next thought. Heck, look at the street streets. And then I might even separate that. Like, and then add a panel here, mm -hmm. like panel three. And Hank, Hank looks mad. Like you can, um, when you're writing dialogue and the character is kind of like explaining his point of view, you can have multiple panels and separate their speech into uh, emotional beats. So in this uh, in this speech, Hank starts and he he feels like um, he's reminiscing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's not. He kind of starts from neutral, but then he gets a little bit more mad as he's talking, right? So yep. word spreads quickly. I haven't seen a hint of crime, white color, or otherwise. Heck, look at the streets. 
and then he's like a little more mad. The clean nightly at 3 a.m. So it looks like they've never been driven on. You know? Yeah. Uh, and then panel. Panel. Uh, I would the limit next panel. that line. I would limit that line. There. Well, the next panel could be him. Like he's more. He's even more disgusted. Um. Face it, kid. Right. Yep. Face it, kid. We're dinosaurs. We are the dinosaurs looking at the meteor coming down. We are extinct. We just don't know it yet, right? Mm -hmm. And there's, uh, oh, so before I change that, I just want to point this out. This is what I call comic speak because a lot of comics do this. And this is like one of those sentences, like if you read it out loud, if you read it out loud, it doesn't quite sound right, but it sounds cool. We are extinct, just don't know it yet. We, I, so if we were extinct, we just don't know it yet is what it should be. Right, but it sounds cool, just mm -hmm. don't know it yet, right? But like, nobody, I don't know anyone that skips the like that second pronoun or that second identifier in that the sentence. second pronoun that i skipped was not because i meant to look cool it was meant it was happening because i had poor grammatical skills on my first draft no that's i'm sorry eric i'm not saying that you were trying to be cool i'm just i'm just pointing out that i see that all the time in comics and it drives me crazy because i just don't think that it is something people would actually say yeah. like it sounds really cool we are extinct just don't know it yet you know yeah, no, it sounds it like be. something like some like cool douchebag would say, but yeah. like a guy smoking a cigarette right. at poetry slam would say that. Right, but it, it, you know we would and anyone with half a brain would say we are extinct. We just don't know it yet, mm -hmm. you know. So, so I, I'm just pointing that out because yeah, uh, I, I will. That will not in my version when I do it. It will be fixed so that they. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now if we, so just breaking this, um, so you've had basically, we didn't have a dialogue here. We had basically a speech, right? Mm -hmm. But even speeches you can break down by emotional beats. Um, and if you've done film or you've taken a screenwriting class uh, you've or an acting class, you know about emotional beats, um, breakdowns when you're writing and that's what you need to do in a comic book, but you also need to think about where those emotional beats should go in a panel, in each panel. So maybe you break down those emotional beats by panel um, instead of just by line, line by line. Mm -hmm. um, so now we've, we've separated this into panels. Hank starts from neutral, word spreads, Quickly, I haven't seen a hint of crime, white color, otherwise, heck, look at the streets. Then, boom, panel three, Hank looks mad. mad. They're cleaning up nightly at 3 a.m., so it looks like they've never even been driven on. And then Hank is disgusted, like face it, kids, or even a little defeated, right? Mm -hmm. um, and those are three different emotional places that he can be in that same speech and... 
it, it shows his point of view a little better. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. I mean, so if you're watching a live action um, film, even you'll see like just the actor when they're giving their monologue, they're just talking. They'll go through these uh, range of emotions when speaking. You know, assuming they're not you know Keanu Reeves, but um, they'll speak like that, and they'll you can see like them change and their expressions change. You just because you're creating something from your imagination, you had to put that in there. Right, or you have to go back and edit it to be in there, right? Yeah. You have to like really think about it. And actors spend days on each, like on a scene like this, just thinking about the emotional beats and how to play them. And directors, actually, when you watch the film, next time you watch a film, you should like slow it down and see like how many camera edits there are on a speech like this because chances are the director has also broken this a speech like this down into different camera positions like close up or wide shot or reaction shot from another character like we could put Jim in here like looking like what are you like what's he on about you know mm-hmm. um or or kind of just reacting like surprised to hear Hank talk this much or something you know and that might be a good beat to add to this to make it have more depth and and stuff so anyway that's that's uh dialogue in comics it's stuff to think about what do you think eric i think like it's a good thing and like again not finished editing so i'll have to go through again a third time at least to at least just for it to make grammatical sense because right now Again, it's still stream of conscious. I'm just trying, like how I'm editing right now is I'm trying to add a lot of details because a lot of the imagery was not present there. So right. instead of saying like what the what I would want the panel to look like, I was just simply saying like Hank and Jim and Carr. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so your first draft was an outline mm-hmm. basically. Your second draft is filling in the details for the artist on what's in each panel your third drafts will probably be focusing on dialogue and like making sure that these have emotional beats as well and then my fourth draft will probably be just you know grammar and all that (laughs) basics yeah yeah and you should have somebody at at some point you should have somebody look at it and give you some notes on it too Mm -hmm. like a very trusted friend or um family are you volunteering no no i'm pretty sure you're volunteering okay i'm hearing you volunteering i am i am yes and (laughs) hey do you 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 ever hear the joke the who's the one type of person you should always ask out who's that an improviser because they're required to yes and (laughs) yeah that's a that's very funny finger guns so eric uh have any comics to review this week I do. I do have a comic review this week. I reread a comic, actually. A fantastic comic. Uh, at least comics three through six were fantastic. Okay, um, hold on. What comics are these? They were the comics from our last week's guest, uh, the Vampire Shark comic. Um, by Mark Von Onen. By Mark Von Onen. Um, Onen. 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 It doesn't have a T. <laughs> On it, on, on in, on in, 
An. An. A. A. Nen. Nen. Anen. Anen. Van Anen. Van Anent. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Van Anen. All right, let's try the next one. Jamal Patterson. No, I'm kidding. Yep. Okay, so the, the comic is called Nosferatu. Nope. Ahab Van Helsing versus Nosferatu Carcharadon. And Carcharadon or Carcharadon. Okay. Oh, God. Let's start this whole thing over. I'm sorry. But this has been really dumb. Okay. We'll restart the entire thing over. Hey, Eric. Have you read any comics this week? I reread a comic this week by the great artist Von Onnit. Von Onnit. Von Onnit. We just went over this. I literally just cut 20 minutes from this podcast. Of me just sitting there mispronouncing the author's last name. Literally just 20 minutes of me going Von Onnit. Onnit. His name is Mark Von Anen. Mark Von Anen. Good. Okay, and what's his comic? And what his comic was uh, something. Hey. In... Oh my God. <laughs> We're starting over. Hey, Eric. Hey, Keegan. Did you read any comics this week? I reread a comic this week, actually. And what was that? It was the comic by Mark Von Onen. On it? Yeah, on it. No, it's Von Onen. Von Onen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And was that Ahab Van Helsing versus Nosferatu Karcheridon? It was, Keegan. It was. Did you read the whole series, Eric? I read all six issues plus the bonus. The bonus. Um, <laughs> um, Simpsons esque episode. Which was just the, the first Flander, It was yeah. he wrote everything as Flanders yeah. speech. So the Ned Flanders version is literally the exact plot artwork. Only thing that's different is the dialogue. He went into the Ned Flanders translator and literally just translated everything. So it's every single character sounds like they're speaking like Ned Flanders would. Yeah. It's actually kind of a funny read. Yeah. Instead of like Oakley, instead of saying like okay, they say Oakley Dokley, and instead of saying thank you, they would say like thankly dinkly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was it was worth yeah, I mean it was it was funny for a few minutes. Um so Eric, let's let's do a quick review. Um what what did you think of the plot of and we're gonna do this as a whole series, right? Yeah. Okay, so what did you think of the plot? I thought the plot was straightforward and simple and not anything like with crazy twists and turns. It was just kind of a fun plot of just them going back and forth talking like or just like i thought it had plenty of good twists it good twists but it wasn't like i didn't think this was an m night child i'm like what a twist anytime it just no, i mean I, oh come on come on there was a main character that just disappears in comic three he just disappeared how big a twist is that you think he's gonna be like the main character yeah the whole comic walks off i yeah. mean I get. I mean, yes, yeah, that's true. He's just somebody's like, yeah, I don't need to do this, and he just walks off. I'm done. But yeah, exactly. I, I don't consider that to be a major twist because if he had died, that would have been. A, I think if he had died, that would have been much more of a big twist, and him just being like, I'm done. What about what about the big twist of? Uh, I mean, that character is also afraid of the water, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you 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 have this vampire shark who 
bites every sea creature there is and they all turns into a vampire vampire. yeah Yeah. i mean that was a pretty big twist that was a pretty big twist i think it was surprising it it was surprising but i just thought it was like i i it it followed a thread that i understood where it was going the entire time it would never like like i meant that like there's no twists in that like whenever there's a twist (laughs) it's a bad twist you don't see it you don't see it coming in a bad way Okay, so there was no deus ex machina. Yes. At no point did Jesus come down and be like, I have come to save you all, children. Right, and it wasn't all a dream. Yeah. And Yeah, okay. But I, I have to say, it was pretty surprising. It kept me very entertained. It, it was, was surprising. Very, it was uh, a very entertaining book to read. Yeah. Or, or, or six comics to read. So it starts with... Um, kind of this vampire gets eaten by the shark and then um, starts terrorizing some teenagers and the, the shark can fly. That's yeah. that, that was it's got all the powers unique. of a vampire. It can fly. It's weak to sun, um, stuff like that. Okay. And then the sheriff in town is named Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Right. And he, he's picking up this weird character who's like a vampire hunter. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know his name, uh, but it doesn't matter because he leaves. <laughs> he's the character that leaves. He's the character that you think is going to be the main character because he's got like all this stuff to hunt vampires, like holy water. And he's snakes. like telling the sheriff that, no, this is actually a vampire and I'm not crazy. Yeah. Um, and they believe him after they see the flying shark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they, uh, in the first two books, they're kind of just fighting the shark. And then in book three... Oh, in book three, they're on the boat. They go out on this boat to yeah. try and catch they, the shark, like in they Jaws. realize that the shark is um, in this water. So they realize that you need to get to the surface, so it'll be exposed to the sunlight. So if they're bringing, they're going on a boat, and they're taking all the krill, and they're going to, you know, it's still a shark, so it still will hunt the krill right. because it wants to eat it. But that's when uh, they realize that sharks eat things other than people. Mm-hmm. And... And this shark has started biting sea life, yeah. including a giant octopus, mm-hmm. which was amazing, by the way. Yeah, that was, there were some amazing arts. So book four is when they all the sea creatures start attacking the town, mm-hmm. right? And Including uh, a turtle. Yeah, and that's when the sheriff is like, I'm going to take care of this myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the turtle was a good... Was a good. Um, and then five and six are... Him and his deputy kind of just chasing the shark, right? Yep. And uh, I forget how it ends, but he gets he gets. He's it, right? able to stake the shark, um, but then after he stakes the shark, he looks inside, and the vampire's crawling itself out free. So the vampire's still there. Oh and, right, yeah. And it ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Wild. See, that was a twist. That was a twist. Yeah, that was a twist. I admit, I didn't expect that. So, what about the art? So, the art, um, it changes between issues one, two, and the rest. So, it was illustrated by a, art, a different artist in the beginning than was the rest. And I believe um, the so art... So, first, the first artist was Jamal Patterson. For He did issues one and two. Yeah. And then and issues then, three through six were illustrated by... Gary McCluskey. Gary McCluskey. I believe Gary McCluskey did a much better job of the artwork, in my personal opinion. 
I, I think so. I, I will say um, it seems to me, I mean, the artwork is pretty good in the first comic. It's, it's not, not bad. It's, it's not just... bad. What the real problem with it is that somebody in Photoshop has like squa- squished his panels mm-hmm. and like um, not, he didn't scale it properly. So they, they scanned it in, but then when they were putting it in panels, they like, instead of like, scaling the whole thing equally Mm -hmm. they've squished it so that the characters look like they're like squished um and and so when you say that the art is is bad i i really think that most of your critique comes from that problem of the squishing yeah let me let me show you what i mean the uh in this so in this panel this looks terrible, right? Because yeah. he's like condensed sideways, but this doesn't look that bad. No, that artwork looks actually, you know, bad. and it's actually pretty detailed yeah. um, of the, of the vampire here sitting on this person. But, and then again, this is like squished, but this is not squished. And this is definitely squished, but this is, and this is pretty yeah. squished too. Uh, but you can see that how detailed this artist is. I'm, I'm just defending this a little bit because it, I don't think it was the artist's fault. It was whoever designed the layout of this book really did it a disservice. Um, and I, I mean, that's something that possibly could be changed or fixed in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, but, and, and another thing about this art that I'll, I'll say before we get into Gary's by art, um, I think this art is better served in color and there's a lot of like uh, missing details from the background mm-hmm. and missing shading from the background. And it's pretty clear that this artist thought it should be colored probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what I'm thinking in these frames. I don't know. what do you think of that? I agree with that critique that like it, looking at it now, it's not that there wasn't detail and wasn't done. It's just that it wasn't done to proportion. Like the person looks like he was, he went from being a normal human being to being like squished between two walls. Yeah, and it's um, not. I, I don't. Again, it's. I don't think it's that. Yeah, I mean, whoever put this panel in like squished mm-hmm. it sideways without paying attention to the proportions of how it was drawn. You know, uh, they they should have um, cropped it instead of uh, resized it. I guess is what I'm trying to say. That makes sense. Um, and then also, if you like, if you go back to like the top, if you go up one to the part where, or even just with the shark, that again, it looks like he meant to have color to like differentiate between the backgrounds and the person because you can yeah. see the person there, but you barely can see the person there. I mean, you can't tell that this is water. I, I uh-huh. assume it's water, and these are like different shades of water. And if there's know. actually a person there besides the shark. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, you can't tell that unless you really stare at it. Right, right. So, so that's where I think this comic kind of fails. Mm-hmm. Is, is those two things? The care, the art is actually squished poorly, um, and um, it clearly was calling for color, um, and it didn't get any. <laughs> um, whereas the difference between that book and Gary's book is that Gary has filled in the backgrounds with gradients and, mm-hmm. and some shading. Um, so the characters don't look as flat in their environment. 
there's also i mean the inking is shading the the characters too in this um there's no shading in in the first two books so uh, besides that, what do you think of the art? So what do you think of the art for the the books three through six? Um, again, I think I, I actually personally like it just plain better though too, because it looks like this artwork, the artist knew that it was going to be in black and white, and he drew in such a way that reflected that that um, characters were like given distinct enough from the background that I could tell this was meant to be in black and white. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure that the artist and the creative team kind of know about this already. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't feel bad pointing this stuff out. What about the actual way this is drawn? So we're starting with Gary McCluskey's version of, of the, the books here. Um, I actually like the character designs better. I just like the artwork better. It reminded me uh, a lot of Archer, um, if you remember okay. that cartoon. Yeah. And I really like the artwork in Archer, so... So it's kind of cartoony, but it's still sort of realistic looking. Yeah. And, you know, there's some, there's some shots in here that really look like Jaws. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like this boat really kind of looks like the boat from Jaws. I also think the uh, octopus was done, or the giant octopus, giant squid, was done super, super well. Like it's even super at one tentacle, detailed. Yeah. It's super detailed, like much more, like even just looking at it a second time, just much more detailed. Yeah. Whoever did the inking on this, and I think it was Gary again, mm -hmm. uh, really put in a lot of time. Um, I, I know that some of the, there's actually some computer graphics screen tone in the background, which didn't bother me. I know. Um, that's me sort either. of a manga technique. Mm -hmm. um, did that bother you? Not at all. Okay. Um, yeah, but it, yeah, so, so this version you don't miss the color and the characters are more defined. And I think the artist definitely, he probably benefited from seeing the first two books, you know, yeah. and kind of like knew where he had to go with it to get mm -hmm. this to be good in black and white and everything. Um, and what, from what Mark said, like Jamal just didn't have time to, to work on these books anymore. So, mm -hmm. um, so it was a good change actually. Yeah. I think it was a change for the better, even though. Yeah. I don't know if Mark would agree, but I believe it was. So we're going to move on to the color. What do you think? Um, how did the black and white serve this this book? Um, I felt it worked really well for books three through six because it reminded me a lot of Nosferatu, uh, the mm -hmm. film, and in a good way. Whereas the first two, I don't think they took advantage of it. It was just kind of like it. It looked like the guy was going for um, what we do in the shadows. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this one gave me a very Nosferatu look to it. So this almost looks like Walking Dead style of comics. Mm -hmm. um, whereas I think what you're trying to say is the first one looked a little bit more like it was aware it was a comedy. Yeah. Um, and this one is more playing it straight. It's a comedy, but the characters don't know that, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and... For me, the black and white was like, um, it was a little annoying. I kind of wish that this was in color, actually. I actually don't mind. Like, I don't mind this one being in black and white because I actually think it works well for it. Um, I don't think it takes anything away. Whereas um, I think the other ones. I think for me, it's just the gore. I, I think the gory factor would have been funnier if it was black and white. 
I also, I almost borderline wish he did a samurai fiction, which is um, a black and white film, but whenever there is blood, they would show it in red. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So let's move on to the lettering. Um, I think it's just standard digital um, editing. Looks like yeah. a Blambot font, pretty standard comic font. Mm-hmm. Um, and the sound effects are, I mean, what you would see, they're pretty much Marvel's, Marvel mm-hmm. standard. Would yep. you agree? Yeah. I agree. Okay, so it's down to that French term. Je ne sais quoi? What is the je ne sais quoi? That's a French term. What is it? Well, it's a French term. It's that certain I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a French term. Yeah, it is. Okay, so what did you think it was? Um, I thought it was the fact that, um, again, that it was a comedy that knew it was a comedy and played itself like a B-horror film correctly. Yeah, it's, yeah that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was the um, actual playfulness with the vampire sea life. Mm-hmm. So you think it's going to be just this shark book, mm-hmm. like, um, which is entertaining, but like the fact that he expanded it and it was like uh, sea turtles and fish and uh, he actually turned it into a universe, which was I thought very impressive for yeah stingrays and and dolphins and swordfish vampires, and it it made it much more fun mm-hmm. um, for me. And that was that was when all these books like hit the gas pedal. It was like really entertaining. You wanted to turn the page. Um, yeah. And the, and the, the art change helped to be honest, but I really think that what the problem is in those first two books, the real problem is that those pages were designed poorly. I don't know who they did kind it, of, <laughs> it was hard to see some, it was something that I spent too much time looking at not because i was enjoying the artwork but because i was trying to figure out what was going on so they're not super detailed and they're squished and Mm -hmm. so it's like failing on two points where you really shouldn't fail like um but those comics i mean the artist was drawing for color i think so Mm -hmm. um i don't know i think if you had color and it was shading everything in and, and the background was filled in you would like those two those two books a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So for me, it was the sea urchins. I, I like the comedy too. Um, it definitely has the great turtle puns. joke was probably one of the favorite jokes I've read in a comic in a very long, long time. <laughs> I know, I know. I don't want to ruin it. So I don't want to ruin that. But the, honestly, the turtle joke alone makes it worth it to get all six comics. Yeah, it is. Um, so you, you should definitely follow the link in, a, in the show notes uh, mm-hmm. to get these comics. It's definitely worth picking up, definitely worth reading. I think, uh, I think you just email Mark. <laughs> I think that's what he said to do. <laughs> yeah, he's like, that's just how he's dealing with it. Just email him and he'll get you copies. Um, he's also coming up with a new comic, which I'm really excited for because I like his writing style. I think he's a really funny guy, so I think it works out great. Yeah, so on a scale between a underwater scuba diving trip um, where you lose your oxygen and then get eaten by vampire turtles and a underwater scuba diving trip where you don't (laughs) 
<laughs> Whoa, what a high bar. Because <laughs> underwater scuba diving trips, I assume, would be pretty, wouldn't you say, low bar? Yeah, low bar. <laughs> uh, all right, well, under underwater scuba diving trip where you find mermaids um, that that under that have the fountain of youth and they they give you a drink uh what would you give this comic um the series the whole series. i would say that the first like part of your trip is like <laughs> you're smelling farts the entire time but eventually the fart smell disappears and you don't find mermaids that give you the fountain of youth but you do find some really cool coral fish and you're able to just follow this fish for a while and it really gives you a good adventure <laughs> So as you get past the fart smell, it's great. Okay. Uh, I, to me, I would say you have a snorkel. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at first you don't know how to use the snorkel. <laughs> Are you but farting still, the snorkel? But it's still fun. You're holding your breath. Mm-hmm. And then eventually you figure out how to use the snorkel and you find mermaids and you drink from the fountain. So, um, while I don't think it is fart smell bad, I thought it was not maybe getting a couple gulps of seawater, um, but you're still having fun. Does that make sense? Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, cool. Well, Mark, again, thanks for coming on the show. If you do happen to hear this one day. Thank you. And we really liked your comics and hope that everyone reads them. Really good. And thanks to our guest, Rob Cannon. Very talented. And for uh, helping us with the, with a, no, not helping us, but for showing us his comic Freak Snow. Very informative. <laughs> and uh, sad RIP to Chadwick Boseman. Too soon. Yeah. And we would like to say, if you want to watch this podcast for some reason, I mean, we did share the screen quite often. Uh, you can go on our Patreon patreon.com slash dumb comic creators good job Eric. and you're welcome if you don't mind rate us five stars on the podcast service that you're listening to us on support us on the patreon itself yeah you can do that too or you can watch us for free share it with your friends the more the merrier that's right and if you have any comics you want us to review or read, and if you want to come on our show, just reach out to us, dumbcomiccreators.com at gmail.com. Did I get through everything? Is that all our promotions that we're doing? I think so. Okay. Why are you whispering? <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, it's very entertaining for you to just be the uh, hype man right now. So good. So good. So good. Is that your uh, sweet Caroline? <laughs> no, I was thinking of the. Um, I was actually thinking of um, Cannibal uh, Shia LaBeouf. Who? There's a song called Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Listen to it after this. But at one point, they just start whispering in the microphone, going like, "Quiet, quiet." Oh, okay. Uh, uh, also, cool. I recommend Cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Uh, it's a good song. Who's it by? I don't know, but Shia LaBeouf actually appears in the music videos himself. Does he really? What's he doing? He, you know, the gif of Shia LaBeouf applauding, like in a suit. Yeah, that's where that's from. Oh, okay. All right, so it's by Rob Cantor. Rob Cantor. 
that's the artist. Okay, well, that's an interesting ending to an interesting episode. I love how we talked about a song on a comic book podcast. But we, we did. Care. Yeah, we, we care. Did. Hey, we're listening to each other and yes ending. And yes ending. And we hope that you understand how to do dialogue now a little better. Hopefully. Or at least got some ideas because we're not great at this either. All right. So uh, I think that's the end. All right. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Bye.